right, I'm, I have to think of another way instead of being like, because uh, every single time I say it the same way, I'm always like, welcome back to another episode of Meet the Creatives, but I don't know. Claire Wasserman's here and it's gonna be lit. Let's do this. Holla! We're back. New yeah. website, new look, new guests. Thank you so much for coming on today and uh, I greatly appreciate you being here. Well, thank you for flattering my ego. Yeah, right? No, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's what design's all about. That's what I've learned. No, I'm just kidding. So uh, I, wanna, I wanna start, um, obviously there's a lot to talk about here. But the elephant in the room, uh, your uh, ladies get paid, taking a big leap of faith here and, and for a great cause. And uh, feel free to just start from the beginning and the whole story when you realize, you know. Yeah, no, and I appreciate you saying um, putting myself out there because I really did think for a full year um, if this is something that I felt comfortable publicly talking about. Um, I, I know that wage inequality is really important. So, uh, you know, I'll start from the beginning since I really didn't grow up as, you know, a feminist or even knowing what that word meant. It, it simply wasn't a topic that we discussed in my family. Ironically, my mom was the second class of women in her college. So, and a career woman, you know, she was definitely a working mother and um, set a great example for me, but it wasn't a conversation. Um, I actually grew up feeling really empowered. I felt like, I mean, I could do anything I wanted to do, that all doors were open to me, that, you know, being a woman, there was zero limitation. Uh, and when I went to college, you know, I was, women were 60% of the graduating class, wow. right? So look, we've come so far from my mom's generation to mine. And here's a bit of the problem. I think because we've progressed so rapidly, we actually think that progress is over, um, which is what I thought. And if you look at some, you know, numbers, it does say that in the 90s, uh, women actually flatlined in terms of, you know, the progress they were making professionally. So, you know, me not feeling like I was just, you know, discriminated against, that's statistically backed up when you look at the 90s. Right. Uh, well, then I, you know, I went to Cannes. So I went to the Cannes Advertising Festival, Lions. Right. And I was very excited to go. Uh, I went there uh, in the capacity of director of marketing um, as part of Working Not Working, which uh, you know is you know a creative network, a right. curated creative network that connects the world's best creatives to companies. And uh, we went for a full week. And I have to say, it was seven days and seven nights of pure misogyny in a way that I... I mean, I think I'd experienced microaggressions or like subconscious bias, but this, this was shit I couldn't deny. I mean, right. you know, I went into a party and I'm like, you know, ready to talk about work, not working. And some man would say, whose wife are you? Wow. I was like, <laughs> like, is this madman? Like, yeah. like, it was so shocking because I felt so empowered. And then, you know, there would be this stuff like, you know, I'm talking about this project I'm working on, right? And like somebody would just look at me and go you're hot. And you're like, well, here's the thing. There were these men there that were amazing. I, I met guys who looked me in the eye, took me seriously. There was no creep factor. I think it's because there were such good dudes that it made the ones who were a bit sketchy, like it made them stand out. Yeah. And unfortunately, there were more of those, you know, not so upstanding guys than the good ones. And here's the thing. I left Cannes, right, like we come to the end of our trip. And instead of feeling like 
fuck those dudes. You know, it's, they have a problem. I internalized it. You know, I went home and thought, oh, you know, it's because we were at a bar and, you know, I was wearing a, a like a, a tight dress, right? Like I was asking for it. And, you know, or if I'm like super friendly, which my personality is, you know, that's confusing. And I mm-hmm. made all of these justifications um, because I just didn't want, A, want to get angry at the system because I think when you get angry at the system, you either get depressed, which I did for a little while, or you, you know, you take action, which is also scary, and that's what I'm doing now. And, you know, I thought about this for a while, looked for other women's organizations um, that I could possibly get involved in, just wanted to dip my toe into the water a bit of educating myself on, like, why this was, that what did I experience? It felt very complicated to me. And I wrote this personal essay. I didn't have the guts to publish it publicly. I, I simply just, like, sent it to friends in my inbox and you know, the people were back there like, this is so good. I felt the same, you know, I feel the same way. Can I pass this on to another friend? And it was a very unique and interesting experience to watch an email go viral, but in an inbox. So it was this protected space where no one was publicly posting it, but Mm. we were sharing it, you know, everyone was emailing each other back, writing comments. And I think what I figured out from that experience was that my exhaustion after nine years of working in various careers, but mostly in uh, marketing, fundraising, never, never in-house at an agency, or never in an agency, I should say. Yeah. I think I was exhausted. I think all these women were exhausted because we were constantly up against, well, quite simply, the system. We were experiencing usually these micro, uh, it's calling them microaggressions, but in various ways, just you know, discrimination. But because most of the time it was never blatant discrimination we were able to sweep it under the rug. Right. But over time, it's really, I think, corroded a lot of women's self-esteem. Um, they don't know how to speak up about it. And again, we do turn it inwards and wonder, where am I in all of this? And you know, especially if the men, they're not even aware, you have to believe that diversity equals better business. And Cindy Gallup talks about this, so did Pat Gordon of the 3% Conference. And it has been proven, there are studies that show that diverse businesses do better economically, right? Financially. Um, so isn't, again, a kumbaya, you know, it's just ethically the right thing. I mean, it is ethically the right thing, but the biggest argument, the strongest argument, I think, and the true argument is your business will do better. So why wouldn't you do that? Um, same thing goes for venture capitalists, not funding women. Well, there are studies that show that women run businesses succeed at a better rate than, than other ones. Um, same thing with black entrepre- black women entrepreneurs. They're the fastest growing entrepreneurial segment, yet they receive the lowest amount of VC funding. Wow. Why are you ignoring the facts? That's <laughs> like, so crazy. It, it, it's literally the facts are out there. And so to not, you know, Chris Saka, who is an investor, you know, on Twitter, he was one of the first. I saw him speak at a recent tech conference, and I, you know, it was a, t- a fireside chat about whatever it was about. He said he got on the mic. He said, "That's not what I want to talk about." What I want to talk to you guys about is why, he said this, literally, why the fuck are you not funding black women? Because they are making a shit ton of money off of not big funding. Right. Here are the businesses I funded. I see the best returns of my life. You all are idiots. And again, and he just made the economic argument. Right. So, you know, again, in creating a safe work culture and blah, blah, you know, all that. Again, you as the business leader have to buy in 
to the belief that this is going to improve your bottom line. Right. So why wouldn't you do everything in your power to create structures and programs that help get you, you know, there? So yeah, um, and just for humanity again, too. I know it sounds heady, stuff. but like, like well, I think it's crazy. I think you know, one thing that's getting better is there are a lot of articles coming out. I mean, this is a very topical subject right now. Right. But something that really opened my eyes and spurred me to actually, you know, kick my ass to do this because I did again wait a year right. <laughs> to, to make something. Yeah, it was. The statistics on the lack of diversity in leadership roles in any industry. So for a minute, let's put wage inequality aside. Just looking at, and you name the industry, and I can tell you the statistic. Um, so quick. <laughs> I like question. it. You have the numbers. That's so why good. would? Well, the thing is, I mean, you have to. Right. They just don't lie. Yeah. You know, I mean, okay, fine. Maybe some of the numbers could be a little bit different. Uh, right. But they're so bad that like. Yeah. Really no yeah even if they're here. off by like so 20%, like, yeah. <laughs> they're still nowhere close to 50%. So, yeah. you know. Yeah. But um so like okay, women are 40% or excuse me, we're 47% of the US labor force. Um and we're 59%, okay, we're the majority of the college educated entry level workforce. Wow. Here's the thing though, we are 9% in top management roles in any industry. What? Nine percent. Jesus. Like I will send you the link wow. to where I'm getting. I have very credible sources. Um so that's crazy. Nine percent. Um, what are some <laughs> it's like okay. Oh my god. Uh speaking of nine percent, that's gross. That is the percentage of film directors who are women. So the media that we are consuming, you know, on the big screen that we're showing our kids of both genders. Only 9% are women who are making those films as the directors. Why? What? We don't have vision. We're not creative. We yeah. can't run a set. It's like, all right, let's get 9% a little bit higher. Just like, like that's so it's insane. It's just not even sensible. You should change uh, your the agency. You should change ladies get paid. You should change it to just call it 9%. So it's kind of like po it poses a question. And then people are like, what's 9%? Why 9%? And then you can leave that. That's like the 3% conference, yeah, which now, yeah. you know, it was 3% conference. Now we can all feel better because 11% of creative directors and advertising are women. Woohoo! That's so crazy. It's like, really? 11%? It's like, but again, you know, I don't know what this is. I think it's like 80% of consumer spending is women. Like, we buy the household products. We, right. I think, are the purchasers' cars. You know, we're buying the shit. Why would we not be coming up with the ideas to right. market to those people? It's like, yeah. it doesn't even logically make sense. And if you make the argument about, well, women are at home, you know, they want to take care of their babies. I mean, you show me a company that has a fantastic maternity policy, and I'll say, awesome, how many of those companies are there? Right. And not just maternity policy, childcare, making childcare more affordable. This helps both parents. So again, 9%, 11%, these are statistics that I'm not sure how you can defend them. And when I looked at that, you know, and I kept looking for industries that did it better, couldn't find any, really couldn't find any. Wow. I said, wow, I'm not as empowered as I thought. And, you know, I may be making 78 cents to the dollar, but if I were a Hispanic woman, I would make 55 cents to the dollar. Wow. That is, it's inexcusable to me. And I felt like, I can't just go to work every day and not do something, just something. And, you know, for a while I felt overwhelmed. 
again, what could little old me do? Just one person. Right. And it's grassroots, you know, just like Bernie Sanders, any good political campaign. Right. It comes from a small group of people who band together and say, what can we, you know, what's the most important first step, small first step? And for me, I did a town hall, kind of again, going back to that political right. analogy. I saw that, yeah. I said, you know, yeah, it, I mean, it really started everything because I didn't want to do a panel discussion. I mean, for a topic as sensitive as money, right? Uh, it's like, you know, unless we're talking about financial experts, one woman's story about her finance, you know, her personal spending and her struggles with money, you know, there's universal in that, but I don't think we should be prescribing advice to a woman of a completely different, you know, situation. We don't know her story. Right. Um, and I should say why I started with money as the first town hall. Money is power. Money is power and money is value. And right. I felt like that as a topic could speak to the things I wanted to change, you know, the positions, the people in positions of power. And also what I wanted to change with women is our ability to value ourselves, you know, the need for us to value ourselves more in order to affect that change at the top. Right. And that first town hall, I mean, it sold out within 10 minutes after putting it on Instagram. A wow. hundred women bought, bought these tickets. And it was honestly, it was the most powerful experience I've been a part of giving mics to a hundred women in a room and saying, how are you feeling? What do you have to say? Tell us your story. Tell us your challenges. And it was like, the floodgates were open. We couldn't stop talking. It was not a negative experience, actually. Right. In terms, of, it wasn't like, you know, man bashing, ranting. You know, yeah. no. It was saying, "Here's my challenge," and then someone would say, "Here's what I did to address that." It was very uplifting. People had hope. They said, right. even though time and time again, I, you know, have gotten passed over for promotion when I know that I have the resume. You know, right. they're able to, or I know I'm making twenty thousand dollars left less, and we do the same thing. It was like, I'm here because I think that things can change. Absolutely. I'm just not quite sure how. Right. And after that first town hall, I said, I got to do this for a living. I, I, this is, you know, especially when I got emails from women in other countries asking me how they could do a town hall. And New York Magazine wrote an article about it. And I, you know, I just felt no fear anymore about speaking up because I saw that there were so many women and men, I have to say a lot of men have reached out. Yeah. Everyone was supportive. Again, I know that there will be people out there who are not, and I'm going to have to prepare myself for that. But the fact that, you know, we have a thousand women who've joined in the last few months, a thousand women, and I'm not even good at social media. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not a social, you know, yeah. you know, women are saying they've, they've heard about it through being on the subway in San Francisco and women were talking about it. I mean, we're, That's so this crazy. is like real life viral word of mouth. I'm, I'm, I'm onto something and I have, you know, my girl gang now and, uh, <laughs> and it's structured now. I have to say, you know, the town yeah. hall was open forum. It still is. We host them every month. Uh, we're on our fourth one. Um, and there are variations on the theme of money. Again, like money just being a spring word uh, for a conversation about value. Right. Um, so, you know, we did one on my worst negotiation is what it was called. We did one on departures, which was exploring the process of leaving your job, you know, figuring out, you know, from the time that you're unhappy, when should you leave and how should you leave? And people shared kind of epic quittings and epic firings. And, um, I have some. I'll share you with know, you. Again, yeah. 
<laughs> well, this is the thing. There, 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 there's, there's shit that everybody experiences in some degree or another right. that I personally don't feel like is being talked about in a public forum where people are so comfortable that they actually speak up and are as honest, as honest as they can be. Um, so my town halls are in a circle. You know, right. I put everybody in a circle and I put the seven women who share first in the middle. People walk away just feeling like energized, cathartic. Here's the thing, though. We follow up that town hall in the next week or two with a workshop that teaches uh, the brass tack skills as it relates to the theme of the town hall. Right. So my, my, my whole thing is, you know, awesome, get inspired, build community, but then translate that into action, translate that into education, um, you know, figure out how those stories you heard at the town hall can be applied to your life. Um, so, you know, an obvious one was after the worst negotiation town hall, we taught a deep dive into negotiation practices and, you know, talking points. And, That's so cool. Um, yeah. And, uh, and um, now because we have so many women outside of New York and we're only doing events in New York, we're going to be exploring, you know, webinar content, Google Hangouts, the podcast, anything we can do to, you know, simultaneously safeguard that comfortable space at the town hall. Right. So no recording of that. But we've got to, you know, scale our own business. And obviously, I want to provide value to women all right. over the world. So for them to send you stuff that's like, you know, you're changing my life. I thought I was alone. Oh, my God. How do I get in? Like, where do I sign up? That's going to be so I know. cool. Do you cry? Um, uh, do you yeah, ever start I'm, crying? Um, I do. <laughs> yeah, I definitely do. Because this stuff is very personal. Yeah. And uh, they, you know, after the first town hall, keep in mind, it was like, it was like a three hour whole experience. I mean, we have drinks and like, you know, mingling, yeah, but it was cool. like an hour and a half of talking. And a woman wrote me, a few, you know, a few weeks after, and she said she negotiated a $15,000 signing bonus and was able to get them from part-time to full-time simply because of our town hall. She felt accountable to the group. So interesting. What? She That's felt so like amazing. when she went, yeah, she had never taken a class from us, you know, and it was just one town hall. But her feeling was when she went in to negotiate, it wasn't for herself. It right. was for the group. And that made it easier for her. For the concept, And I've heard yeah. the same thing. Yeah, yeah. And I've, I've read that as well, that it is easier for women to advocate on others' behalf than their own. So this isn't crazy, but I love that it happened for her after a simple hour and a half discussion. Right. So again, she didn't have the talking points. She just had this inner strength that she didn't have before. And it goes to show that you can impact people's lives by not doing that much. Again, right. by saying, I recognize you, I'm listening to you, I believe in you. Uh, you know, it doesn't, you don't need to change the whole world to change somebody's life. Right. That's exactly. a good quote. That's tweetable. That's good. <laughs> right. um, so I'm actually hosting a talk. Uh, I'm hosting a breakfast on September 22nd um, with uh, the Hoxton Hotel. And I'm interviewing, do you know um, Ricardo? Gonzalez, he has um, the Instagram handle It's a Living. Oh yeah, yeah you might yeah, have yeah. seen some of his stuff. I've gone Instagram yeah, so crazy he's a lately, so I, I do follow him. <laughs> yeah, so I'm I'm interviewing him, uh, Sally Rumble, who's the chief happiness officer at Creative Mornings, and then Jeremy Schwartz, who runs the program Circles at Squarespace. So it was sort wow. of ironic that we were talking about Squarespace before. Mm. I love and Creative the topic Mornings is too. I love Creative Mornings. It's awesome. Oh, absolutely. Totally I have the love song what they've in my done. Head now. Um, the song is now in my head. Yeah, I mean, I love it. It's the best. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the conversation is about why is networking awkward and what we can do about it. 
and and that's how you get opportunities is through your relationships. So how do you build organic relationships? And then how do you parlay those relationships into jobs? And you, there's a there's an art form to it. There really is. Um, mm-hmm. You know, people don't want to feel like they're being used. You have to respect their time. Right. Um, oh. I love it. Thank Claire, you. thank I you really, so much for I really coming enjoyed on. It. And absolutely, the, and we have a new uh, website. Uh, so very cool, trendy new guest for my new website. It's uh, meetthecreatives.design. Yeah, go check out the website and this video and a whole bunch of other stuff will be on there. Um, and if you happen to be on the website and it looks like it's moving around on you, that's me on the back end of Squarespace. So Claire, thank you so much for uh, joining me today. Thank you. And any ladies out there and men too. Oh yeah, but, sorry. You know, yeah, yeah, you're, you're in. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, right now all the events are women only, but we we love uh, some man allies. So sign up at ladiesgetpaid.com and all of our social handles are simply at ladiesgetpaid. Um, So easy. And all right, thanks, Rob. I really appreciate it. (laughs) 